Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe, and today with me I've got Shane Lowe from Boise Fire Department. He's on Truck 7, and he's going to talk to us about a grab that they made on January 15th, 2021. Uh, welcome, Shane. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your department and about your uh, fire career? Yeah, you bet. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always an honor to be on this program. I listen to it regularly, so it's nice to uh, be able to contribute. Uh, again, Shane Lowe, uh, Boise Fire. I've been with Boise for uh, 21 years, been a fireman for about 26, uh, captain for about going on six years now, um, truck captain for about two and a half, three. Uh, Boise Fire responds annually on about... Uh, around 23,000 calls a year. We have <clears throat> roughly 18 stations, three ladder companies, so three battalions. So there's a ladder company per battalion. Um, and uh, truck seven is located uh, kind of in the southeast. It's the third battalion, southeast um, area there, south of Boise, so south area of Boise. So what do you guys get on a regular alarm for a residential fire? Uh, so Initially, we get uh, three engines, uh, one truck company, uh, one battalion chief, um, and then once it goes, and then we get a safety officer. Um, and once it goes, if it's upgraded to a working fire, then you get an additional engine company, an additional truck company, uh, an additional battalion chief, and uh, a command page. So, um, yeah. So on on this particular call, it was uh, initially just three one and one. Uh, and then went to a four, two and two pretty quickly. So how spread out are your stations? And by that, how long are you going to be working? Our crew's going to be working by themselves before the next one's rolling in. Uh, we try to meet, uh, you know, the national standards as best as possible. So most of the time we're situated to where, um, if everybody's in, in district and not out on other calls, uh, they should be there within, you know, four minutes. Um, and so when they're spaced that, uh, that, that far out, you know, it's not strange to have a uh, uh, first two company, at least in this particular uh, situation, arrive three minutes in and then uh, you had a, your other crews show up within a minute and a half, two minutes after. So, yeah. And then how do you guys run your fires? Is it um, SOG driven? Is it instant command driven situational or how's that? look for you guys uh yeah so sogs but predetermined assignments um upon arrival based on uh which order you're arriving so you know first do will assume command give a size up um conduct a 360 provide that uh provide that information and uh will initiate fire attack um Second do typically can either uh, be added to the hose line to assist or um, stage for a water supply, lay a line, whether it's reverse or uh, forward. And then, and then third do uh, kind of plays off of what the second engine does as well. Um, the truck companies typically tend to be assigned to search and vent. Uh, and then later on, you know, checking for extension and assisting with, with hose line movement and everything. So our uh, engines have three personnel truck companies have four 
So talk to us a little bit about the search culture uh, within those trucks. What are you doing with those four people? Who's doing what? Who's taking what tools? And how are you getting those searches done? Yeah, a lot of it depends on the size of the structure. Uh, we we have some some homes, especially going on around here, that uh, are pretty pretty large in size. But for the most part, um, on a residential fire, if it's a single story, uh, in this case, we we split, and uh, the, the 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 B team, the B side of the truck, went to the alpha side. Uh, the A side went and conducted a 360 uh, and went in a Charlie side door. Um, a lot of times too, if, if there's room to sneak in the alpha side, we'll go left, right, and split that way. Uh, as far as truck culture goes, I think we're pretty aggressive. Um, it's, it's not strange for us to operate ahead of the hose line uh, to try to get into some of those livable areas. Uh, we try to target search as much as possible in the high percentage areas as well. So checking your entry egress, your hallways, your bedrooms. Uh, Two-story, most of the time we'll go in the alpha side and split, send one team up to the second story and then another team on the first floor. So um, yeah, we, do, uh, we do TI search as well as best as possible, but typically you just have one member per split team uh, operating a TI while the other guy is, uh, the other personnel is, is uh, just moving as fast as they can. So, And what tools are they searching with? Uh, it's kind of uh, person dependent. So uh, we go in with a set of irons um, and typically a hook. The hook usually stays on the exterior of the of the entryway. And then uh, that way um, the searching firefighter can split the tools if they bring in both. Um, me personally, a lot of times if, if the tools are split, I'll leave my tool uh, by the inside of the door when we go in and close the door and, and finish searching just for some orientation and also so I have basically complete dexterity so that I'm really feeling uh, as I'm moving along so I don't miss anything. And then do you guys uh, do you guys do VES in Boise? We do. Yeah, we do. And what uh, what situations would you be doing the VES? Uh, if we're assigned to search some livable, air, livable areas, uh, whether it's first or second floor, so if we had, uh, <clears throat> uh, if we had, you know, pretty good fire development in the in a certain portion of the structure, and we couldn't get in other other than through those possible livable areas, then we would uh, VES those, and then determine whether or not we need to extend our search from that area. All right, very cool. So you kind of set us up with the background of what it's like being on a truck in Boise. Take us back to January 15th and let's walk through this fire that you guys had. Okay. So uh, three, about 3.45 in the morning, a uh, call comes in and it was uh, originally, the, the part of town tended to have some smaller structures. Um, this, this one was uh, challenging not because it was small, but because it had been added on to. And this particular home was hoarder conditions, like severe hoarder conditions. Um, and so some of the tactics that we ended up using really, really worked. Um, obviously there were some things that we always try to AAR at the end of uh, an incident so that we're better. Um, this one was a small, probably 1,000 to 1,100 square foot home. 
uh, with the addition on it. Maybe it was then around 1400 square feet. It had a Alpha and Charlie side entry door. Um, but like I said, severe hoarders. So upon arrival, the whole front yard was full of stuff. About the only way that you could make it through was just the walkway that went to the front door. So 346, it comes in, original dispatch, uh, first due engine arrived. And uh, while they were en route, uh, it was reported through some of the notes off our MBT that the entire living room was on fire, it was blown out the front windows, um, unknown if anyone was in the house, two people were sitting beneath the window. Um, and so uh, the first due PD ended up arriving and shutting off some of the streets and then trying to evacuate some of the neighbors. And they were able to get uh, one of the elderly females out of the residence. Um, so at 351, almost 352, the first due engine showed up, uh, gave a size up of a one-story wood frame single family dwelling with heavy fire and upgraded it to working fire. So that brought us our additional resources uh, in that first alarm assignment. Uh, medics arrived pretty quickly and uh, assigned the female to them. To, to assess her <clears throat> and uh, she ended up with some pretty severe uh, inhalation injuries and unfortunately uh, passed away from it later on. Uh, so she was conscious and awake at that time and they were walking her, walking her out. Um, it was reported that possible hoarder house and then uh, at about 353, uh, a second engine and uh, first due truck company arrived. So um, the first two engine was, or the second two engine was assigned to assist with the water supply and then uh, the structural line. And then uh, truck seven was assigned to do a primary on the house. So we, we take a uh, rig to door pretty serious. So we try to get into position pretty quick. There's a lot of radio traffic. So we weren't able to communicate uh, once we started searching via the radio until there was some openings. So Luckily, working with uh, some pretty, pretty high quality people, uh, we just did some predetermined assignments. So um, the, the A side of the truck noticed that there was a lot of, uh, still a fair amount of fire on the, on the front door entryway uh, that had blown out the windows. And they were, they had kind of, because the house was pretty small, they were filling that space pretty well. So uh, the A side of the truck, opted to go from Alpha to Delta to Charlie um, and do a, a 360 because a 360 uh, hadn't been conducted yet in there. So we were able to look at some of the, the bedroom windows that appeared to be bedroom windows from the exterior and notice there was literally uh, debris, furniture um, piled up completely to the, the window sill. And so the Delta side, you, you could do a VES operation, but Charlie's side, it was built up and then pushed back so much further from the window that it would be difficult to, uh, unless you're climbing over, over stuff to try to get to those Charlie side windows. Um, smoke this time was kind of going over the, the building, over the house, and then kind of banking down. So um, once we got to the back, uh, we noticed all sorts of things that we were trying to collect information from, right? So we were looking at, we saw toys, we saw wheelchairs, 
there was tons and tons, probably hundreds of five gallon buckets that had been stacked three to four high along the fence. And this was what I guess Boise considers a standard city lot. So it was about 50 feet wide by about 120 deep. And so this house was situated about uh, 30 to 40 feet off of the, the street side. Um, and then on the back side, uh, there was literally, I mean, there was just so much stuff all piled up back there, um, even in a, like a shed in the back. And as we came around with the smoke banking down, we also noticed that there were some tents um, stored along the fence line, um, which later ended up having uh, people in them. And so got to the Charlie side. Um, we were able to, uh, to open the door. It was smoke from ceiling to floor. Uh, we opted to go with the left-hand search, and um, the victim actually ended up being in the first bedroom on the right. So had we taken a right-hand search, we would have hit hit the victim right away. But we went left-hand and uh, chose to try to stay in our lane of travel because stuff was piled about uh, two-thirds away up the walls. And so you, you know, hoarder conditions, you just basically have a pathway. Um, we were trying not to knock things down and still conduct our search. Um, we got to the, to the middle of the house and that's when we ended up face to face with the, the B side of the truck. So they had gone in the alpha side, they chose to go on a right-hand search. So at this point um, we had basically searched uh, one side of the house, but not the other. Uh, not quite sure why I chose this tactic, but it, it worked out fine. But I, I chose to send the B side of the truck on a left hand then and finish the back side, the Charlie side of the house. And then we went on a right hand and finished the alpha side. Uh, as far as orientation, it helped for us to get a better picture of what was in front of us. Looking back now, um, I should have sent them on a continued right hand, but just turn them around. And then that way we would have been oriented with what we'd already come through. Needless to say, um, they got back to that back bedroom and located the victim. And it wasn't easy to locate the victim. Um, They're searching with a TI while the other firefighter was searching, uh, hands on. He went through the lane, jumped on the bed. There was limited room in the bedroom just because of all the debris that was piled up. He searched all four corners on the bed. And about that time, um, his partner with the TI noticed uh, kind of the outline of a figure uh, that had his, was just off the edge of the bed and basically kind of had his, was kind of in a crouched position. So he was, his head was down on the floor and his butt was kind of up in the air. Um, and so he called him back. Uh, they located the victim, they called it out over the radio. Uh, we had just finished our portion and, and did a 360 and then came back to a system, but there was literally no room for us to even get around to assist. Uh, they were able to, to get the victim into a, a sitting position, uh, unconscious, not breathing. And uh, we notified command, gave them kind of a, an update on it. And because those guys hadn't reached the Charlie side door yet, they weren't aware of, of it being within uh, 10 to 15 feet of them. As they were going to do basically a two firefighter 
precariously had one behind him, then the other in the front. Uh, they were trying to pick him up, but they were having problems. This was a heavier patient. Uh, I estimate between like 250 to 300. And uh, the, the, this patient also had long hair, so it kind of get, kept getting caught on things. And um, they were able to, to lift him and quickly realized the smoke had started to kind of lift uh, from the building and, and realized that there was actually a door 10 feet from him. So they picked him up. They got him to that door. Uh, we requested an additional company, which happened to be another ladder company, uh, to meet us outside that door. And we did a victim transfer there. Um, because of, it was a pretty quick grab. I would say we grabbed the victim. Let me look at the times here. Um, we grabbed the victim at 4.09. So, um, you know, arrival of, of three we're receiving the assignment of uh 357 and then 409 i mean that's that's quite a bit of time uh unfortunately but um once they located him he was out within a couple minutes uh they did transfer to the other truck company who then carried him to the to the alpha side of the building where they they started C, uh, cpr and uh having an another company actually grab and then carry out there was um, pretty important. Our guys were pretty smoked, uh, just trying to get through all the debris and and uh, and then carry the heavier victim out. So um, that's kind of how that happened. Um, once I heard that they initially called that they were going to take him out the alpha side door, we started moving debris out of the way and and throwing it off to the side so we could have a clear path for them. And then they quickly uh, realized that that Charlie side door would probably be a faster route. So. Yeah. Cool. What? Um, so a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of hoarder conditions coordinating between two crews. After that fire, when you guys did your, your uh, round table hot wash, what did you, what did you talk about? Were there any things that you say, Hey, we did this good. We did this not so good. What could we work on better? Um, any, anything you came up with after, after going through this? Yeah. I mean, uh, fire attack was aggressive uh they were able to collect a lot of information but there's a lot of stuff going on they made quick assignments uh particularly with the truck company um and we actually have two trucks and one ladder company the ladder is a tiller uh the two trucks ours is a uh, pierce rear mount so the bucket sits in the front and then the uh the other truck company that we have in the second battalion is a mid mount uh pierce um but anyway uh particularly for the truck company um, splitting was ideal, uh, working with people where you've had that discussion before was, was pretty important too, right? So we were able to actually go into operation with, with, uh, knowing what, what each person was going to do based off of, um, just previous discussions. I think splitting and sending a, a crew to the alpha and the Charlie side worked really well in this situation. We were able to get a size up of the bedrooms and then, uh, get a pretty quick, understanding of the building, even though we weren't able to really relay that. So that afforded the, the other side of the truck company, the, the front door entrance, and to search as close to the fire as possible and then work their way back, whereas we were more target searching to the, from the rear of the structure. Uh, looking, looking back now, I, I almost wonder, and, and through discussion, if 
um, on small houses like that, if it's, if it's almost like something on your cell phone, you know, and it, it tells you which direction you're going and it kind of has that window, um, that 90 degree window that shows you as you turn, um, when you make an entry point like that, your, your avenue is super narrow and high percentage your person's either going to be in that pathway um, or they're not because if if that's their normal route of travel um, to go in and just and, and touch everything and then really um, mess up your your egress and entry points I don't think would have been super beneficial but for us to go in that Charlie side door um, hindsight being 2020 and the place being smaller I think we could have sent someone a left hand down the hallway and had someone also check the bedroom, maybe with the TI, uh, because now you're able to, to basically swath as you make entry forward um, and hit those areas a little bit quicker. Yeah, and you brought up good points that, you know, if you've got, if you've got hoarder conditions and stuff piled up three, four feet high, as we try to sweep that stuff, we're creating a big mess for us moving forward and getting back out. And I love that you, 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 you swept the, the main pathways and you took a look and see what you could see uh, beyond that. But I think an awesome use of the tech for sure. You know, um, you talked when you set a crew in the front and a crew in the rear that you both ended up going in the same direction. It reminded me of a, a story and I can't remember where I heard it from, uh, but it was from an older uh, seasoned fireman uh, from a big city. And I think the context was the discussion of when you walk up to a building, what handed search are you doing? And without a doubt, he goes, Oh, you're going to do a right hand search. I'm like, why are you doing a right hand search? He goes, Because the first crew goes in the front and they go right. The second crew goes in the, fr in the rear and they go to the right and you don't bump into each other. And it's like, Oh, you know, in that context, it makes a lot of sense. But that doesn't always make sense if you've only got one crew and you're going to read the building and go, go to those target areas. But. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and, you know, that also discussion uh, we've talked about too, um, the, the A side of the truck tends to get uh, to the, the front of the house pretty quick, just because uh, we can pack up in cab uh, fast and the driver still has to get his stuff on, which is the B side. And so I, I've played with some of the things with like having a, one of the box lights with me and dropping it at the front entry to show the guys that, uh, you know, if we went in the alpha side and I could set it on either side of the door, but you know, that's not always a hundred percent. So I think those discussions are, are pretty important. We, we do try to look at the, uh, we do try to look at the type of structure, whether it's a ranch home, a uh, single level two, two story um, to try to determine, you know, uh, where those bedrooms might be, where people might possibly be. So, yeah. I mean, all, all that stuff's great. It's just be on the same page, right? Yeah. And there's no substitute for getting some real-time training with your guys, whether it's at a fire or acquired structure, that when you get those sets and reps in, the, the B part of your crew is going to know what you're thinking the same as you're thinking it. So uh, some of that stuff doesn't need to have a, a system set up in place. Yeah. 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 And we, we really try to, uh, you know, take take pictures and talk a lot with the crews and and even talk with a lot of the neighboring truck companies and um surrounding uh cities um just so that we're you know 
same thing, listen to Grab's podcast and, and trying to see what works best and, and be on the same page with things because we could all end up working together at different points. So, um, yeah. And, you know, we had a, a lot of great, uh, we, we had um, a lot of personnel that were, were really on it. I talked about those tents in the, in the, in the backyard and, uh, you know, having engine companies recognize that, report that to command, search them, get people out of those tents. Um, you know, some, some homeless were back in there and, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different things in there, even after we went back to the structure to kind of really gain some more perspective on, uh, what we were doing in size of the, the structure. And, um, and, and you have your, your fire prevention or your investigator personnel tell you to just be careful, you know, cause there's needles and syringes everywhere. And there's, uh, you know, buckets of, of human feces that are stacked in those five gallon buckets and just stuff that you would never think uh, uh, possible. You, you feel pretty fortunate when you come out of that unscathed, but um, like I said, some of the results, you know, uh, b both of those victims ended up um, not making it, which is unfortunate, but uh, it wasn't for lack of trying, uh, lack, lack of trying on our part. So. Well, we appreciate you sharing the story. I feel like, you know, this is episode, I think 62, there's something to be taken away from every single call, whether it was a good outcome or negative outcome. I mean, I know that if I get a victim with hair, I'm immediately coming back to this podcast. They're like, oh shoot, I remember those guys had a hard time uh, with the hair. And it's, it's that case. You pick up one or two things from every incident and uh, just add it to the, to the back of the flash drive and, and, uh, Hopefully your, your memory will recall it when you're on that incident. Uh, Shane, you got anything else to add on this one? Uh, no, I, I, the only thing I think I would add would be, um, you know, one of the things that, that we try to do more of is, is, is getting those repetitions. Um, you know, we don't get fires every, every shift, but so we try to mask up like we would mask up on the fire ground, you know, instead of just going through the initial movements at shift change where you're, you know, if you do it with your gloves on, do it with your gloves on, um, put your hood on, put your helmet on, put your gloves on, go through it that way. So you at least get one rep before something like that happens. Uh, at this station, we have a, a door prop and we have some mannequins and we have a extra hose. So we, we try to get time on that door prop. We try to move those victims um, in the way that works best for us so that we're not having to think about those movements. Um, throwing ladders, same thing. Uh, so when things start happening and things are a little bit out of the norm, especially in this case, like a hoarder house, um, that those things tend to, you know, we're able to address other issues that arise because we're not having to think about um, our technique. Um, so some of those techniques that tend to work for us for victims are, you know, wrap crossing the legs and wrapping them and trying to pull them that way. You can do it higher, you can do it low. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of part of the discussion, you know, uh, when people swing into the station is, you know, how, how do you search? And let's not just talk about it. Let's go through those movements and show me, you know, do you search with your foot on the, on the wall? Do you, do you do a hand on the wall? Making sure that stuff's pretty clear. Um, so when push comes to shove, you don't, you don't have to think about it. You just react. So. That's the only thing I could say about that that's super critical. And if your default is hand on the wall and you got hoarder conditions, like like I saw the pictures, like, dude, if you can't reach the wall, what's your plan B? Um, so always good. Always good to listen to learn and talk to the others. 
Well, I appreciate it, Shane. Uh, we'll wrap it up. If you make a grab or assist, alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take that short survey. The information is for us, by us, and updated real time. They're doing some really good stuff right now, uh, raising some money, um, updating the website, and working on an app. So that information will be readily available as we sit at the kitchen table or putting on some training. If you want to share your grab story on our podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ledeen. And until next time, thanks for listening.